0: Hello and welcome to The Head Stuff podcast. I'm here with Connor. Hello. Hi. And this was the episode where we talked to uh, Rosalind Fuller. Um and we also had Jonathan Victory who um brilliant writes for, name by the way. It's a great name. Jonathan's mm-hmm. a great name. Uh, he's a victorious man. Oh god, let's start
1: this again. <laughs> Go on,
0: sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, writes for Headstuff uh, and uh, he wrote an article about uh, Rosalind's new book He wrote a review of it um, and he went into good detail and The book is called uh, Beasts and Gods, How Democracy Changed Its Meaning and Lost Its Purpose So it's an interesting subject it? It's about how, um, how the democracy that we know and love today isn't really democracy and how it uh, it's 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 not the most democratic system, uh, and she goes back to kind of ancient Greece and Athens and how when it was real democracy, yeah. and so we talk a lot about that.
1: You do, yeah. A lot of it went over my head, but <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. Yeah, it was an interesting conversation, yeah, no, though. There was a lot of interesting stuff in there. There was
0: some interesting stuff in there. Uh, Jonathan asked some good questions, and um, and yeah, we should probably just I suppose go straight into the episode because. We're not going to be able to do justice here That's in the intro. Um but her book is called Beasts and Gods, How Democracy Changed Its Meaning and Lost Its Purpose. Um it's in all of the bookshops, I believe. Um and she's also running for office herself, so she doesn't just uh, write about it. She she's trying to change democracy, I suppose. Yeah. Um She doesn't seem like the type of person who's gonna back down in you know No, I wouldn't think so. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. She's uh, she's gonna she's yeah, she's gonna do it. Um so she's running for uh I don't know, office? Is that what we say here? I have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> in Dublin, Fingal. So if you live in that area, uh, check her out. Uh, but anyway, we'll just get straight into the episode. Uh, this is episode 26 with Rosalind Fuller. Welcome to the Head Stuff podcast. I'm here with uh, Jonathan Victory, um, who's a writer for Headstuff. He's a filmmaker and a podcast host, host in his own right.
2: Yes, uh, you can find me on Phil uh, Marland and uh, Quantum of Friendship, a yeah. Bond-themed podcast. Uh, oh, really? On iTunes. Yeah.
0: All oh, right. Well, that's something we might have to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also here at Rosalind Fuller, who I'm actually going to have Jonathan introduce properly in a minute, and Connor, as always, is yeah, Hello. And like, um, so uh, maybe if if Jonathan, if you just um, introduce us to Rosalind uh, as as best you can. Uh,
2: Rosalind, you. Um you teach in international law, uh, you're running as an independent candidate in Dublin-Fingal, next year's elections, and you've just written a book called Beasts and Gods, How Democracy Changes, Lost Its Purpose and Changes Meaning. Did I get Ch- that? Changes its meaning and lost its purpose. Changes meaning and lost its purpose. Changes meaning, lost his purpo- mm-hmm. Do you have a lot of conversations where people will mix up the order of that or...
3: Um no people usually just call it like the democracy book actually. <laughs> so we don't we That's don't we good. don't worry about it. Yeah.
0: That's a pretty lofty title, the democracy book.
2: There, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> actually, that might have been good though, but the, the title Beasts and Gods it comes from a quote from aristotle i'm gonna say yeah it does it?
3: actually it was my publisher who came up with, I, I actually i originally wanted to call it the democracy delusion
2: oh, kind right. of in like
3: a, a play on the god delusion yeah, that, yeah. that would know. have been
2: good from a yeah, publisher's point of view that was I think, my yeah. working
3: title for it but actually um it's yeah no <laughs> when it, one of the editors actually actually came up with the with the title but i thought it was good because she really understood what the book was about and in a way mm. the quote the quote from aristotle is you know to the effect that if you don't need to live in a society, you must either be a beast or a god because human beings basically need to live in the society and the Mm. society precedes uh, the individual. So I thought it was actually a very, very fitting quote for a book or a title for a book about democracy and about kind of, in a way, the problems that we have with our democracy right now, which is that a lot of people kind of see themselves as being outside of the society and not dependent on the society or a part of that society and i think that's at a root of a lot of our problems with democracy yeah
2: it's like individualism a self-made man kind of stuff and aristotle was commenting on that thousands of years ago basically saying like look if you're not part of society you're a beast or a god you know yeah
3: how are you going to live without a society at all i mean i used to be when i was younger when i was a teenager i would have said i was more of an individualist and i definitely have a very strong individualist streak but you know in studying democracy for so long i've kind of come to realize that without a society, you know, the society is kind of the basic component from which you can develop yourself as an individual. And I think in our in our present society, we've kind of gone overboard on the libertarian end of things where people have become very, some people, not all people, just a few people have become very 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 loosened from the laws of the society that they live in.
2: Well, I mean, you you I know in American politics it seems to be that this sort of individualist issue seems to come up. You grew up in Canada, is yeah. that it was a there- was that a thing there in the political dynamic in that country? or?
3: Um, I grew up in Canada, yeah. And I think, I mean, we certainly share some of the ideology in the U.S. Um, kind of as opposed to coming come from this kind of pioneer times of people having come over to Canada or the U.S. and, mm. you know, started a homestead and kind of work your way up in the world. That would be the kind of the ideology is to work your way up in the world i mean if someone in canada were to say you got something because of who your parents are like that's a huge insult you know to to say to someone you know Mm. you're you're awful if you got something for your parents you should earn everything yourself um that's the ideology of course it's not really the reality um that being said canada certainly i mean there's some things about canadian society that are quite different about than the u.s um for example free healthcare, free education is the norm and and, and like do any conservatives
2: ever challenge that or Um, or would that be political suicide for them
3: I wouldn't say quite political suicide. I mean, for the last 10 years, until very recently, off and on, we had kind of minority and slender majority conservative governments. And this particular conservative government was very, very close to the conservative movement in the U.S. Um, That being said, they were never able to obtain very much of the vote. They usually had what 35% of, of the vote. So their policies were not resonating with Canadians, really, even though they had 10 years at the top they never really got that to work and they never really convinced- connor is
2: choking with yeah. <laughs> exactly. about how bad stephen connor, harper's <laughs> government was connor doesn't so like you, what you're you saying i hear bits and pieces about stephen harper's government and yeah no it would it would it would drive you crazy sorry i just swallowed some water the wrong way there that's all right these things happen connor you'll get the hang of it eventually <laughs> oh god who let me in here sorry sorry sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, but I mean, now you've elected this um, uh, surfer dude as your prime minister, Justin Trudeau. So um, are are things looking up uh, with him? Well,
3: that's the kind of, I mean, uh, I'd say a lot of people and obviously even the majority of Canadians who consistently voted against the Harper government all of this time are relieved to be rid of Harper and the conservative government he had, which was very, very regressive on a whole host of issues i mean there were the things that were seen as quintessentially canadian issues like healthcare and education but also i mean he was very you know anti-rights gay anti-muslim and things like that and though you know that he he pissed a lot
2: anti-environment of people. the tar sands yeah, he, he pissed a
3: lot of r- he, he pissed really just about everybody yeah. everybody off that he could so i'd say a lot of people are breathing a huge sigh of relief to be rid of him i mean that being said our uh, the prime minister of canada now is justin trudeau who is the son of pierre trudeau he was a very very iconic uh prime minister of canada from the late 60s to the early 80s so in a way Despite having kind of gotten rid of Harper and his very pro-American policies, we've ironically elected, you know, kind of turned to a kind of dynastic politics, like in the US, where we've elected, you know, there's over 35 million people in Canada, we elected the one you know, one who was uh, related to one of our previous prime ministers. Like, what are the what we are the? We don't have that
2: problem that? here in Ireland. We? <laughs> <laughs> We've all the problems that I you mean, could possibly have. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, it's almost <clears throat> like uh, monarchy if, like, they say, oh, if you're from a political family, that means you know politics well yeah. and you're good at your job the same way a butcher's son will also become a butcher. They try to make that analogy, but yes. isn't that par- a parliament is, uh, something you go into in the book anyway is that parliament is supposed to represent an entire population, but it's... It's just quite a small sample of people and then with the profile of people it often is family members from people who are already elected, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, I mean in Ireland it's Particularly bad, I would say. But still, I mean, yes, I mean society, I mean, that's the justification is that you're supposed to be literally represented by the people. Like, you know, the parliament is supposed to be like the social mosaic of the of the country and the and the people in miniature really, right? Hmm. Um but the truth is that uh the ele- electoral systems are very, very skewed. They're not very, very accurate. Um people tend to the people who are elected are overwhelmingly from privileged backgrounds. I mean, often related to people who are already in power in some form or other, be they politicians or maybe. Be, you know business mm. leaders or something like that um so really what you have is usually uh a skewing in favor of the i would say like upper economic classes or connected classes and very you almost very very rarely come across someone like from a working class background in a parliament, yeah. for example
0: so you're saying that this guy trudeau didn't get in on his own merits that it's because of his who his father was he's
2: a pretty charismatic guy i suppose from from what i saw of his media performances as well and he kind of had that obama thing going where he's going to be the youthful more kind of Oh, for sure. Yeah.
3: I mean, like compared to the other, compared to the competition, it wasn't, it wasn't hard in many ways, but no, I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't absolutely like kind of draw a line always and go, it was exclusively because your, your, your parents had this job or that job or they were connected. But definitely the name of Trudeau, I think would certainly help a lot in Canada. Um, Pierre Trudeau is a very popular and very, very, I don't know how to explain it, but some, some political leaders, you know, they're in charge of a country and you forget that they were there later on, right? Like like John Major or Gordon Brown or, or someone like that, right? Yeah. You know, you I think maybe Andy will eventually be, be one of them. Like, you know, you kind of go, oh yeah, right, he, he, he was in charge to you for a while. Um, and some of them are, are, are these kind of very, very iconic, very, very divisive figures like Obama, uh, maybe, yeah. or, or like Pierre Trudeau was in Canada. He was very, 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 he really shook up Canadian politics during right. his time and he was prime minister for 16 years. Um, okay. He had one... There was one small blip in that career, but other than that, 16 years. So, I mean, he really defined an era of Canada. So that name would certainly pull... Weight in a certain sense, and that it's familiar, and it gives you this idea of oh, back to that, especially yeah. after Harper. Oh, back to Trudeau. Almost like a, a Kennedy oh, kind of thing. Thank God for that. You know, back yeah. to the, back to that time when it was a little yeah. bit more free living, and everyone was a little bit more more easygoing about <laughs> things. You know, we didn't have all this conservatism to contend to contend with. So uh, I think I mean it definitely helps. But I mean you can't you can't say one or the other. I mean there, there are certainly people who are who uh, do come from more. You know, I'm not against people who come from a, a more privileged background. I mean certainly. You might become from a more privileged background, but you may, you may work very hard and you may earn, earn things as well mm. in your own right. But nonetheless, the statistics show us that there's a heavy bias in favor of people from those backgrounds. And that's mainly because elections uh, cost a lot of money uh, to win and um, mm. every little small advantage helps. So uh, in that regard, we don't have a truly representative system. We have a very heavily tilted uh, system towards mm. those who have already the most power and the most wealth.
0: But then, how do you get the people, like say the the, the more working class, or like the, the the guy who's standing down the corner telling you everything who, what what's wrong with the country, you know, and, and telling you how to fix the country, <laughs> but maybe doesn't run for election. Like how many how many people like that actually have any interest in running for election at all, you know?
3: Yeah, it's really interesting. Well, okay, a lot of what I what I did when I researched this book is I started off with our kind of you know what we call democracy, and I just kind of go around and around in circles, like like. Because what we have is democracy and democracy is what we have. And it's kind of hard to argue with. You kind of end up in the circular logic. So really what I I went back and looked at was what democracy was like in ancient Athens. Mm -hmm. And at first when I did that, I thought, oh, it'll be more or less like this. Um, But I found something quite different. Um, It was a society in which uh, participation was a lot more constant. Um, There weren't as many elections. And in which uh, they would say the people, like democracy means Power of the people. Mm It means people power. Um, So the Athenians and all of the Greeks as well at that time would have said, if you want to have a democracy, a people power state, then in that state, all of the people have to have an equal opportunity to make decisions. And... How they facilitated that was, as I said, they didn't really have elections. They had a lot more direct participation. So people would go down to the assembly and they would participate directly. Mm-hmm. Um, offices were not generally elected. There were a few offices that were elected, but a lot of them were held by uh, people who would be chosen by lottery. Mm-hmm. So in this sense, it was there was a facilitation of participation, um, and it was there were a low cost to that participation. All you had to do is you had to go down to the assembly and raise your hand. You even got paid for it. Um, so you know. Uh-huh. Uh, In our society, yeah, you get a lot of people who, yeah, they're down at the pub and they'll tell you everything that's wrong, you know, this is wrong and that's wrong and I would do things differently. And then, but you say, oh, why don't you do something? They go, ah, like I've got to go to work, right? I mean, and and I understand that like for myself, I'm very, very lucky in that I have um, a kind of a job or a career where I'm able to to devote a lot of my time to these things. But if you have, you know, a full-time job, let's say you're a plumber or a carpenter or something. Yeah, I mean, it, it takes up a lot of your time and it's very, very hard to say I would want to run for election. I mean, I'm running for election now. It is very, very hard. It mm-hmm. takes up an enormous amount of your time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, in a way, a huge barrier to people who do not have the leisure to do that, to, mm-hmm. to participate in that way. So we make it hard for people to participate in democracy. And then you have to win. I mean, you don't just have to run. You have to win on top of it. You have to beat other people who are coming often, you know, mm. with a strong party backing, you have to literally beat them, and then after that, you might be able to sit in the parliament and and say something, right? Or you you know you maybe be on TV more often, and that's for opinion, you might be able to participate a little bit more. So that's the difference, the barriers to participation. I, think.
2: I mean, I've I've definitely found this. Just um I, I suppose the reason we have you on talking about the book uh, I reviewed uh, *Beasts and Gods* for. Uh, the website had stuff and yeah, an
0: article called uh, we do not live in a democracy but here's how we could
2: and um I was, I was writing this from the perspective of my, my background has been in activism in political reform over the last few years ever, ever since the uh bailout which i suppose i've been looking for things to participate in and uh, there was one group in particular called second republic who've been doing good work uh, lobbying government for political reform issues and stuff and I was doing work with them and we were campaigning specifically around a thing called the constitutional convention i'll just do a quick straw poll um uh, connor and alan did, did you review here about it or right? no, what, if i say constitutional convention do you hear about that uh no i don't think so no these guys are clued in you know if they if, if, if they haven't heard about it you know then it's just it's clued just in, this thing that the extent. government set up as part <laughs> of the program for government where they were going to have a citizen, they were going to have an assembly where 33 politicians and 66 randomly chosen citizens would get together and they would discuss things, discuss ideas for political reform. So the same-sex marriage referendum came out of that. That's why it was held. Oh, yeah. really and now that
0: you explain yeah. it, I kind of yeah. recognize the idea. You've you
2: heard, heard something vaguely about it, yeah. but the, the point is, they, when they, and Labour got into government, they said, this is a democratic revolution and uh, we need to root and branch reform of government and they're saying all these big words and they had this thing now uh, i think if if i was in government and i was using this convention thing to sort of promote political reform and leave my legacy on political reform i'd be promoting the hell out of it and i'd be wanting lots of people yeah. to be giving input and then some people you know would write in at the different meetings and they would basically they would, they would discuss kind of it wasn't even a whole look at the constitution it was just sort of bits of it like electoral system and um yeah okay no no here's here, one of the topics was whether you should reduce the term of the presidency to five years, down from seven. And, you you know, that was one of the topics, and people immediately just sort of said, this isn't important. They were kind of discussing things, and that was the surprising thing, that we were observing meetings of it, and they were actually going quite well. They were coming up with lots of sort of different ideas, and one of them was, you know, to petition uh, for citizen initiatives, which is where you can petition for a referendum to be held, and it will be held. So there are some countries like Switzerland where... Uh, they just have that, and I think some parts of the United States have it, and it was in the Free State Constitution, actually. So they were talking, they were voting quite overwhelmingly in favor of that. There was like 83% in favor of that. Uh, the proposal that they'd voted lowest for was reducing the age of presidential candidates to 21. Now, in the marriage equality referendum, that was the only other referendum they held. Uh, this whole Constitutional Convention thing was lowering the age of presidential candidates, and nobody cared about it. because. Yeah. It was all that there was. So there were so many. St- there was so much at stake with the marriage equality thing, uh, but there was nothing at stake with that. Because even even if it's like a positive thing, okay, well, no, it's it's a, a sign that we want we value young people's participation and blah blah blah. It's just not enough to kind of motivate people to care about it. So no. that was the thing we got out of it. And um, yeah, I was just um, I found it quite frustrating being involved in any sort of political lobbying thing. You know, it would just be. Uh, and I was just wondering what was wrong. I was looking at the referendum they had in Greece over the summer on the EU's economic program, and they voted against it. Mm. The government still had to introduce it anyway. Mm. That was a real low point for me. And I was just sort of thinking about something. Roslin's book hit upon a really big idea that's like very challenging to a lot of assumptions, but it's it's so freeing because I I think I think you you identify you were looking into you started off sort of researching international law and like how much like how much input democracy would have into like international yeah i did like
3: international organizations and trying to say like how could we possibly reform those to be more democratic so like the
2: the un or the eu or the imf or something but you you end up you know you i think a really useful expression is follow the money you were following the money you were looking at like how how much money like, not just influences elections, but determines the outcome of them. Mm-hmm. And you were basically saying that, like, it's a, it's an assumption that we live in a democracy just because we have elections. Yeah. And we have free speech. So all you have to do is use your free speech to influence elections. But the elections just seem to be rigged in so many ways. They don't actually provide democratic outcomes. Yeah. So, like, this, this is a big idea. It's kind of, like, really mind-blowing. But in the book, anyway, you lay out sort of bit by bit quite well. And, like, not cynically, but you're just sort of saying, look, this is what... The evidence shows is just elections are a really weird way of running a society
3: <laughs> Yeah, they kind of are because I mean, and that's when I, when I started looking at the Athenians, my mind did feel kind of blown because it wasn't what I was expecting. You know, I thought, oh yeah, everyone knows democracy was invented in ancient Greece, mm-hmm. so it's going to be more or less like this. And when I looked at, it, I was like, wow, this is very different. And yeah. I remember thinking because I was I the, I actually wrote my PhD on this topic. That's how I started, and um, I was thinking, holy, how am I going <laughs> to write this into my PhD? Like these people are so different. How am I how am I even going to compare this yeah. to the to, to things today? Like just a doesn't work um so it was very very difficult at first but um i I managed it in the end and i mean really yes the the key is really elections like we really have this i would say obsession with elections Mm
2: -hmm. um even i asked you now that justin trudeau is prime minister of canada are things going to be better even that was a loaded assumption about how elections work that now that this party is in you know lots of things will be different but you were you were then going into how it's kind of a back and forth between conservatives and liberals in Canada or the difference. yeah
3: and I mean anyway like elections like democracy as we practice it has been called like a four-year dictatorship and there's reasons for that right I mean you have an election and then you just (laughs) hope that the party does what they said they're gonna do and you remain happy with that and that nothing really changes inside those four years right but of course I mean you have to consider when when people started doing elections again after a big long break they did they had them a lot in the Roman Republic that's really what our system is actually based on is Roman Republic republican system but when they started again after after the american revolution i mean there wasn't they decided they wanted to govern a very large area of territory um, they had a lot of arguments at the time as to how that should be done um a group called the federalists won that argument and they implemented their system and at that time if you wanted to rule a large territory without a monarch you would have to have some kind of representation because mm-hmm. People didn't have telephones. They didn't have computers. They didn't have radio. The only way you could talk to someone was to literally speak face to face to them, or maybe write a letter. Um, So, however, at that time, like I mean, in a way, as that as that technological situation insinuates, things just moved a lot more slowly back then as well. Right? Events did not happen very very quickly. Today, events happen very 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 quickly, but we still only elect people every four to five years. So we have this like enormous, in a way, if you think about it, in a sort of relativistic kind of way the time between elections has expanded as technology has improved because more happens in that time. Mm-hmm. It was still persistent going, just have an election, everything will be grand. And another, another weak point of that is when you look around the world, you'll see that uh, you know America and other countries will go around the world saying, we're going to bring democracy to all of these countries. They had an election, so it's democracy, job done. Right. And if you really look at it, I mean, it kind of really gives a lie to this whole thing, because you look at these other societies and we look at them. go, okay, are you in a hurry to move to Afghanistan? You know, are you in a rush to move to Iraq? Mm -hmm. No. Right. Because we would say, is it really democracy? Well, maybe in the sense that you had an election, but not really. Right. We don't we don't feel like it's not the same standard that we're used to having here. Well, why is that? Because the fabric of the society isn't supporting democracy even to the extent that it, that it is here. There's many different parts of democracy that need to come together to like buttress it as a practice. And that's the thing about Athens. It was kind of, there, a lot of things came together to create a democratic society. One, yes, you had freedom of speech, but two, you also had uh, the freedom to speak in a public assembly. So you had... The freedom to have a say when decisions were being made. Um, so, so, the
2: guy in the corner who says, "Oh, oh the state of the country," like he, in Ath- with the Athenian system, they could just show up to this and yeah, you just say just we should do, do this. Like People step would approach, up on a soapbox. Like, yeah, they were not.
3: Yeah. They were not. They were not um, the same kind of obligations. Right? It was kind mm. of a little bit more ad hoc. And in a certain sense, Athens was a representative system in that. At the assembly, not every single person. I think a lot of people who, who want democracy today say, oh, but how do we get 100% of people to participate? It's like, well, that's probably unrealistic all the time. I mean, in Athens... At the at the average assembly, which was where they made most of their decisions, maybe you'd have ten percent of people there, or maybe twenty five, somewhere in between. It, right. You know, depended um, on the day probably and how interesting is, the topic was. Is that enough to
2: be representative <laughs> representative of the population, though?
3: Yeah. Um. First of all, yes, more. I mean, certainly it, it's it's a lot more. Secondly, I would say, in that sense, you do always have the option of going. So I suppose if you got unlucky and you'd say no one of the certain opinion came that day, you'd say, well. You could have if you'd wanted to. You, you chose well, not to. No again, one, there was the no barrier. No one, mm. no one stopped you. Um, so, and I think, too, another thing is that it would be very, very random. So you couldn't be sure who would uh, show up on any one day. So mm. in the assembly, there would be, in, in Athens, there would be people who would not participate very much. There would be people who participated in a moderate amount. There would be some people who participated all of the time. And there were a few people who were basically made a career out of speaking to the assembly. I mean, they didn't get paid to do that. But... They were kind of like political junkies, (laughs) like they really liked to be up there. They were, you know, acknowledged to be very, very good speakers, so people enjoyed listening to them, and they had a lot of influence. But they'd be paid for participation. Yeah, they couldn't make the decision. The decision was made by the people who, who would be for them, kind of random. Like you didn't know who was going to show up. So the way our system works, in a certain sense, is that it's quite easy to consolidate your wealth and your power because you win one election, you're in a better position to win the next one because you know, or if you win a big share of the vote, you know, you might get some of your expenses paid from the state. You now are in a position to, you know, hand out the goodies before the election. You know when the election's gonna be because you get to call it. That's an advantage as well. Um so all of those things help. In Athens it was a lot more random. If you wanted to get the assembly to make a decision a certain way, you just had to hope that the people who were there that day accepted so you your had, had to speak and make a good case <laughs> you had to make and... a good case and, and be persuasive and you know of course someone else could jump right up I mean you, could, you, 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 know, you wouldn't see it coming you could give a great speech a brilliant speech someone might pop up and you know um, uh, go against disprove everything you said or make a very very good argument against everything you had mm-hmm. just said so you'd have to kind of contend with all of all of those things it was a much more fluid situation mm.
0: but how long did that last and is that actually something that could work now?
3: Well, it lasted 140 years in Athens. Mm-hmm. Um, so, And be, before that, there would have been about... They had a series of reforms. So really, the Athenians had a very similar situation to us in many ways, And that they had a severe <clears> economic <throat> crisis at a certain point. Um, they had their, their society had cruised towards oligarchy, and they had a real credit crunch that they couldn't figure out. How yeah, to it was actually around. a mortgage crisis. Yeah, I it was, was a think. mortgage. Yeah. It was the biggest problem. There was a lot of issues, but the biggest issue was like... Mortgages. Some people were just too far in debt with their mortgages, and they couldn't pay them back. That was what year would this have been? This was about like 600 BC. Okay, 500, right, right. 500, 580 BC. Yeah. About, okay. Yeah. Um. So, and then uh, they appointed um this wise who, someone who was considered very wise, Solon, uh, to rearrange society. They said we've got to fix this somehow, and he um made some law. You know, many interesting laws, but one of them that that's regarded to be the most important is that he cancelled a lot of the debt, really. and after that, um, Athens started to make more and more reforms to get rid of elections to allow people to participate more, and on and on and on until we get to the full democracy about a hundred years after the reforms started. So it took a very very long time to go from this to full democracy, and mm-hmm. then about 140 years of full democracy, which was also kind of tumultuous at times, and then after that, um, Alexander the Great consolidated. Right. Uh, most of the known world. Yeah, really. to, be, yeah to be fair to Athens... An end yeah, to, yeah. to be fair to Athens,
2: he conquered like most of the known yeah, world. Yeah, so. it was like, people, I was like, oh, maybe... <laughs> it,
3: that's one thing people often read up is that, oh, but democracy was conquered. It's like, well... There was a lot of conquering going on back then at the, at, the, at the time. If I mean, it's they so were good, why aren't they still doing oh, it? Yeah, they were basically at, at war all of the time, which was really luck of the draw. And Alexander, in fairness, I mean, he he maybe he kind of he didn't even really conquer Athens. They had a very kind of odd set of of wars, and Athens kind of capitulated in the end. But yeah, I mean, he conquered everything. Yeah, from the boy heading, had the
0: boy yeah. had skills, like so, you know. <laughs> he did. He just kind of he did. rolled in He's and matched. took what he wanted. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but. But nowadays, I mean, okay, so you're taking Athens. I don't know how many people were there at the time. I yeah. assume tens of thousands.
3: Um, well, there were probably about forty-five thousand full right. citizens, but you're and, and then more people—probably about three hundred thousand people in total. Right. You probably see, about uh, three hundred thousand people. I suppose yeah.
2: just as a quick side note, I suppose you were saying lots of stuff has to come together for a democracy, but they, you know, they didn't allow women to speak at the assembly, yeah. and they owned slaves, and they were yeah. mad on genocide. They, oh, they yeah. wanted to slaughter other nations. So yeah. how 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 was all that? dodgy stuff compatible with their kind of <laughs> like very enlightened attitude to democracy. Like, yeah. <laughs>
3: and it's very, it's really interesting. I read um, another book recently uh, by uh, Thomas Mitchell, who's the former professor of Trinity college who wrote about, he called it's called democracy's beginnings and it's also about oh, Athens. Okay. Um, but it's also, it's very interesting because he says, yeah, that's that he thinks was a, a big issue for Athens is that they were really enlightened when it came to democracy and, and, and people just made, but very, they, they, they kept a lot of the cultural attitudes of the time. Um, that were very, very common to all of their neighbors at the time, which were, like, of course women can't vote, and Mm -hmm. of course we have slaves, and of course when we go to war, you know, slaughter the men and take the women and children, right? This was a very, very, very prevalent attitude in the i mean i'm not trying to excuse mm. them but it was a very very prevalent attitude in the area at the time and they didn't really get beyond that they did a little bit like there's there's definitely um very strong reason to believe that the athenians were more lenient on their slaves than their neighbors were and this was something that a lot of people who didn't like democracy would complain about constantly that you know in athens they wouldn't even let you hit your slaves and you know that just showed what kind of crazy <laughs> cra- crazy things they got so up they were, to like, around there. Yeah, Africa, so so. they like
2: namby lefties and yeah so really
3: you know they're very, very a little bit too too on the wild side there with, with those kind of things. But yes, I mean, there certainly they're certainly didn't say, um, you know, the, the idea... And, and I mean, some people, you can see at the time, I mean, there wasn't... You know, it wasn't that everyone had the same idea about things. There was a lot of debate on many different issues. I mean, there were people who would have said, um, you know, maybe maybe slavery isn't okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Something like that. But that's kind of as far as it got, you know, right. a, a, f- a philosophical musing here or there, uh, off on a rant, but on, on the whole, no one, no one said... Uh, we should really abolish slavery. And I mean, there's there's many reasons for that. Um, one is that, I mean, of course, no no one else was crushing it either. So people just kind of went with the flow. Um, they also would have maybe not accepted, having been made slaves themselves, as maybe going a bit too far, but certainly they accepted that that's how people did things. Yeah. And, and that, mm-hmm. that was the, just the vicissitudes of war. Yeah. Um, And then, uh, of course, you also have to consider they had a... Most people at the time had a much much lower standard of living than we do today. Yep. So if an Athenian had come to your, hu- you know, if you could transport them in a time machine and they could come to your house, and you said, "Oh, this is where this is the machine that washes my dishes, and this is the machine that washes my clothes, and have another machine mm. that dries them," they just said, "Wow, it's yeah. almost like you don't need slaves or something." <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, yeah. so that would have been like their their take on it. Like these are these are. Uh, yeah.
2: what, I I just remembered something though very dodgy though. Yeah, that was just when you said like oh we don't need slaves anymore i just remember that you know they attribute the i mean the magdalen laundries here they they attribute the main reason they closed down was not because society realized oh you're you're holding unlawfully holding women f- for forced slave labor it was that more people had washing machines so the economic <laughs> need was less for yeah and that this could is bo- also that could well this is true. also like, in our well democracy yeah like uh that we have at the moment so you know yeah no so i i know it's kind of
3: people kind of try to dress things up sometimes in like oh we realize that we're more enlightened now but often if you look deeper there's economic reasons yeah. behind that
2: but i mean i suppose that was kind of the point you were getting as that now it's a modern world like so how yeah. how could this work now Well, i
0: mean i know your your you kind of your election idea is is this kind of i suppose electronic everybody you know uh getting their votes in or getting their ideas in and being able to talk about it yeah, um, like you're running
2: in Dublin Fingal at the yeah. moment so if if you get elected next year what like uh, what what would you do when you're elected yeah
3: well <coughs> I, I've kind of thought I thought a lot about how could we apply Athenian principles to modern society Athenian democratic principles obviously not you know no rights for women in slavery and things like that we can we'll leave that yeah. in the in the yeah in the past but to, to take kind of the good parts if you want of, of Athenian uh, society and how could we implement those in, in modernity well um, I think that if we really want to do that and enable participation, I think well I mean we can today we don't you don't need to do things by representative anymore. I mean you don't mm-hmm. need there's really no need for everyone to be down there in the doll meeting face to face. It's kind of become more and more superfluous mm-hmm. as time goes on. So I thought, well, we could potentially do this over the internet, right? I mean everyone does internet polling now. I mean mm-hmm. every time I go on the internet, I mean people are demanding that I that I vote on on one thing or yeah. another. And there are actually software that have been, pieces of software that have been developed that actually allow this kind of participation online in a somewhat more um, trackable manner. So that it's not just, you know, kind of the spur of the moment Facebook poll or something like Mm -hmm. that. It's something where people can come and debate more with, you know, trackable handles and make binding decisions on things. So one of the software is called Lumio. There's another one called Democracy OS. Uh, There's similar things, Uh, one is called PostWaves. Um and there's there's actually one called iSerview in with their that they're actually using in Yellowknife in Canada at the moment. So that allows people to actually have a binding say in how their representatives cast their vote. So if I were elected, uh this is what I would do. I would allow on some issues, I mean we're not gonna be able to start to go from one day to the next yeah. to allow people to vote on everything. It'll it'll be too much work and it, too much difficulty to have that mm-hmm. happen all the time But I think at least on some of the most important issues, I would allow my constituents to have a binding say in how I vote in the doll uh via internet voting.
0: Right. Um, well, I mean, in one in in the one sense, the use of the internet kind of, I suppose, highlights why we are where we are today, because we've had you know populations of hundreds of millions for a lot longer than we've had the technology. Mm-hmm. So, up to now, in a way, we had to do it by representative because that Athenian yeah. model would have never worked yeah. with a population that size. <laughs> exactly. And to take that to its logical conclusion, if you. Let's say we tried the Athenian model right Let's Mm -hmm. just take America So let's say a number Let's say 10,000 people are there to to hash it out Mm -hmm. 5,000 of them are Republicans And 5,000 are Democrats Mm -hmm. You'd literally get nothing done ever there, there wouldn't be a decision made
3: oh yeah the di- the difficulty mm-hmm. of a very very divisive society yes yeah. i think too i think in a way the one of the reasons that i've thought this could work very very well in ireland is that ireland is a relatively homogenous society where there's mm. a lot still a lot in common and people have a deep sense of community a lot of the time mm. more so than a place like mm. the us also yeah. i'm
2: wondering if yeah. the I'm sorry to cut across you but like if the electoral system is one of the symptoms that manifests itself from political parties is that the, the kind of the political discussion gets very polarized between like so, so like america is a particularly bad example good example of this happening where people get really vicious and they get polarized in one camp or another mm-hmm. but often would most people just be like maybe they don't care about what different political parties think and they just want to hear the information mm. and they make their own decision and maybe it leans one way more towards another but it's just like I'm, i was thinking of an example of uh there was an the organization called America Speaks who a few years ago, right in the middle of one of these big budget crises, they they did this where they had the internet to discuss different budget things and they had like some town hall meetings. So they incorporated physical meetings as well. But they found that by the end of it, people would actually, even if they were diehard like Republicans and Democrats, they would actually sort of agree on some stuff. And even like climate change, which is a big issue like Republicans are ignorant on, like they they would actually come around to it more you know, if they get a chance to hash that out. So. Yeah, there's
3: actually a, a school of thought called deliberative democracy, which basically says that the uh, the act of deliberation has been overlooked in our democracies. And the more people deliberate with each other, so the more there's like a back and forth of ideas, the more people come to appreciate other people's point of view um, and the less divisive decisions Become. Now, deliberative Democrats usually aim for a consensus, right? They usually go, we shouldn't do anything until we have consensus. I mean, I think that's completely unrealistic in yeah. a society of hundreds of millions of people or even a few yeah. million people. Um, however, I do think that in a democracy, we may have fewer problems with this, uh, for one thing, because um, at the moment, if you have to choose, and especially in the US, you only have like really two parties to choose from at the end of the day, kind yeah. of two candidates, yeah. um, you have to pick one or the other, right? Yeah. So sometimes you pick one even if you don't agree with everything they say. Yeah, it's the lesser of two evils. it depends on... Like, yeah, exactly, yeah. right? What do you hate yes. worst, yeah. right? Um, so the problem isn't that everyone kind of ends up in these entrenched camps where yeah. you feel like in order to get anything that I want, I, ha- I have to be here and I have to hate everything. And those
2: people have to, have to get into power as well. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah.
3: yeah, 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 yeah. So I think in a way, if you have decisions more often and you can split them up into different parts mm. people can be a little bit more a la carte about what you want to go with you might yeah. think okay um i'm in favor of gun control but i'm against abortion or whatever or you know whatever right? right but at the moment right now if you're in favor of gun control you'd better be against abortion because this is the republican you yeah. know kind of more the the republican yeah. end, end of things right yeah you you couldn't be how be divided on those, on those points of view, how things stand in a way. And in that kind of sense, it does tend to polarize people more and more and more the electoral system because it forces you into a camp and kind of focuses more on your hatred of the other camp than on what you're kind of constructively trying to do. So I think it could be less of a problem. That being said, I would probably, this, this is one of the reasons why I think a society like Ireland is a good place to kind of, has so much potential to start experimenting with these things because we not, don't have quite that like level of divisiveness. yeah
0: uh but how would then something like that be uh you know like l- laud you know like the legislation on it for example if this was a thing where you get up and you say you're bit mm-hmm. who's kind of who's looking after the truth of it i mean let's say fox news existed oh, in yeah. in ancient <laughs> greece or yeah. oh yeah <laughs> or like you know something like the ion institute something that just fills the world with lies and yeah. and, and and you know bullshit um uh, it doesn't really make it, you know It doesn't really make it for like fair, open, free speech it, I mean it is, but it's tricking people as well So yeah. how are you going to get the kind of Yeah, I know the You the actually had results. a whole chapter in your book chapter about chapter this, this yeah, About <laughs> media
2: and misinformation And you kind of like... like uh, I don't have the book in front of me, but I thought there was a quote because it's kind of, it, that's going to be with us for the foreseeable future, that kind of, you know, problem with misinformation. Yeah, really. I, yeah.
3: I, I think that this is, like, the reason I wrote a whole chapter about it is, is I really think, like, the me- the modern media is probably, like, the biggest obstacle to democracy yeah. in in the Definitely modern world. Definitely in the States. Because you look at, so. yes, yeah, yeah. you look, at, you look, at, you look at, at ancient Athens and you're like, yes, I mean, you had to... You didn't have any way to communicate, but the plus side was you didn't have any way to communicate. You know, you had to, you had to go down <laughs> yeah. to the assembly and just see what was up or, you know, you talk yeah. to people in in the community to find out what the news was. No one was coming from outside and telling you news and like manufacturing facts and manufacturing a narrative yeah. for you, like an uncontested narrative for you. So in a way, they were able to be more open. That being said, we have to go, okay, we can't just go, fine, then oligarchy forever we have to find some way to to deal with that um i think in a way that having direct liberation will be a step towards that mm-hmm. because if you are talking to people again face to face you're it's different you have a back and forth you know they can contradict what you just said mm. uh, or they can try to call you to account um instead of when you watch the news or when you read the media you're getting like a one-way account that goes out not to one person, but to like 4 million people or 10 million people yeah. or however many there are, right? Everyone's getting the same story pushed to them and it's a very one-way communication where no one can get on and yeah. contradict them or have a different point of view because they're, they are in charge of who, get, who gets on their network, right? Yeah. So in that sense, it's very, very, very controlled. And I mean, in fact, the American media is only owned, I think 85 or 90% of the American media is only owned by like five or six companies at yeah. this point. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> in Europe, it's not really much different because we have like the state providers and then not not very much else, frankly, you yeah. know? So, uh, we have this this kind of dominant narrative. And I think to get away from that, people are going to have to start communicating more and more uh, face-to-face or online or in smaller groups that things can kind of bubble up. I mean, I think Twitter, to some extent, has already helped to some extent there. I mean, I don't think it's like an amazing... You know, I don't think it's the, maybe the revolutionary change some people bring it out to be, but I do find that you will get like a different set of views or a different set of news in a way. Yeah. If, you, if, you, if you just scroll through your Twitter feed, then you'll get if you watch the official news broadcast. So yeah. I think people have been opened up to more alternative media. But I agree that this dispute about what the facts are is something that goes very, very deep yeah. uh, in our society. And in a way, experts have been very much shunted off the scene. I mean, what I find always so weird is that when I'm watching TV, I'll see something. Sometimes I'll see something that's very international law specific, which is my area of expertise. Mm. And they'll have like four journalists debating it. And no one who's an expert in international yeah. law. And they'll be completely off. You know, you, you look at, you know, if you had to five international lawyers, you'd be sitting there laughing at them because mm. this is, this sounds unreal. And, you know, you're not considering very basic things in our profession, but they don't, I mean, they don't invite them. I know that plenty of people in international law would love to go on there and, and talk to them or economists, but we don't see these people on TV. We see like yeah. people who are kind of half- educated about these things debating hmm. it and and no expertise on it and it's funny because the athenians would have um if they said we need to build some ships they would have been like okay get a shipbuilder here we need some we need someone to uh give us the lowdown on what we're going to need yeah you know so i think i think a society has to be open to ha- listening to experts but having the decision-making power with the people
0: Yeah because the problem is Even if someone does go on To say Fox News It is the best example To show what's wrong with the world uh, Like say <laughs> you know Go on to like Bill O'Reilly Or something And somebody good will go on But yeah. they'll just get shouted down yeah. And, then, yeah and then they get turned off And then Bill O'Reilly goes Well he was mm-hmm. wrong And here's what's correct Yeah And there's yeah. no kind of We've
3: blurred the, the um, line Between opinion and fact
0: Oh absolutely yeah. Usually yeah. yeah
3: And I think too Like in education in schools I mean I find too Like things like basic logic mm-hmm. Isn't taught no. So people sometimes make these very fallacious arguments yeah, that's that a, yeah. that are swallowed. And yeah. they you know it just doesn't even conform with ba- with basic logic. So that's something I think that's gone downhill. And also the idea of what's a fact, what's an opinion. Yeah. You know, we have this kind of like infotainment. Well,
0: this is kind of the problem it's with the a lot of schools, I suppose, are kind of designed on, on the model of like, you know, like Catholic schools are or, or you know, being taught by religious orders and mm-hmm. they're indoctrinated and they, they they educate in the same way. They're like told this is how you do maths, this is how you write an essay, this is how you whatever. They're never told you know, like are never like shown how to figure it out for themselves or how to, you know, think different thoughts. And, yeah. and so that means like in a way, all children are being kind of educated in. Almost the wrong way
3: Yeah there's not enough I mean it's funny Because universities always say Oh we need to teach Critical thinking Critical thinking But a lot of them Don't teach very much Critical no. thinking Or people know that They'll be punished If they say the wrong thing or, you Yeah know. yeah so they, they try to always guess What their teacher Wants them to say yeah. and, and And then say that Maybe not everyone does it But a lot of people Yeah be, will, will, will behave that way Definitely people um,
0: More people open up When they get to university But still Yeah That They're, they're still like Starting when they're 20 19 or 20 you Yeah know?
3: And that's yeah. It's not easy you know? Yeah it's too I great. think and that's also, starting
1: To change a bit though uh, Hopefully Yeah Crazy. Yeah, yeah.
3: I think I think also like just you know kind of like psychology and things like that are not taught in schools, mm. even though that's become a big part of um, modern media. You know, advertisement and even news and things like that. It's very much about the psychology of it. I mean, if you just have one person, like for the Athenians, it was like you just got up on this, you know, kind of pedestal or kind of platform and said what you had to say and you had to use your own voice to say it right yeah um you know there weren't any like flashing lights and you know everything <laughs> moving around in a cool way and, you know looking every you know looking very authoritative in your seat everything very professionally done i mean this all kind of has a psychological effect on on people you yeah. know and we're not kind of taught how to cope with that or kind of right. how to, like kind and of like there is a that.
2: basic thing as well with the, when when stuff gets very complicated as as often life is you know, there is um the concept of consilience that, you know, when you have lots of different things indicating a trend, you know, the trend is correct, but if um people will this is, i mean this might come up in law or like you know you see this come up in climate change where like climate change scenarios will say oh but th- this one set of data in the middle of the ocean is like the the world's getting colder actually and they think that until you address that oh it's cold
3: all, today all of it that's, is what, that's like a donald trump saying yes, it was yeah. cold today it was cold
2: today <laughs> therefore the planet isn't getting warmer you yeah. know and people that's don't understand logic, <laughs> people don't understand though and it's just like so i mean with with like that, you know it takes a lot of things and I, I think laws nowadays are quite complex and I think just to, to go back to ancient Athens they seemed they seem to have been a bit simpler and open to interpretation but there, there, there was a bit of your book I found funny where you were like You were saying that uh, you couldn't be a lawyer back then, that you couldn't accept money for legal advice, and that just it made me think of Lionel Hutz and The Simpsons saying, "Can you imagine a world without lawyers?" And (laughs) then he imagines all these people holding (laughs) (laughs) hands and a rainbow. I was just like, so I mean, can we do this today? Because it just it just seems like laws are so much more; they're so dense and they're full of legalese language that most people can't understand. So I mean, how do you? Um, how could you have people voting on stuff like that? Or, or, I mean, if it's just one question of like, you know, abortion should be legal, but then you get into, okay, where the, the laws outline where um, they would be performed or in what circumstances or by who and so on. Like, so, like, how, like, could this Athenian model be used for stuff like yeah. that? Or is it.
3: Yeah, that's definitely always a question. As every lawyer always, always, always goes into. Um, yeah, there's a couple. There's a couple of things uh, there. What is that? Yeah, some people have have argued, and I would agree with them. Actually, that really the uh, the legal end of the Athenian system was probably more relevant even than the kind of assembly end, and that they had these these randomly selected jurors who would sit on these enormous juries and make decisions on quite vaguely drafted laws that they dra- drafted vaguely on purpose
2: you cannot wrong someone yeah like, like that yeah
3: like you know yeah yeah so so that could
2: mean anything yeah. it was up to you to prove that they had wronged you somehow whether they'd stolen from you or it did whatever something outrageous or, to you yes yeah. Yeah. yes i did something Being no, wrong, no yeah. one no one shall
3: behave outrageously yes yeah. i mean in a way like we don't I, I guess what you should know is that we have laws today that aren't that different i mean you know we can call it, like a public order offense is usually like can be something quite similar, like I mean, you did you did something outrageous, or okay, yeah. you disturbed the public order, you disturbed the public peace, or something. Mm-hmm. It's like really vague too when you get it's down open to, it, to you know?
0: interpretation. Like yeah,
3: that. I mean, some laws are very open yeah. to interpretation.
0: Misdemeanor. <laughs>
3: yeah, the the, the the you know the kind of the little ones, you know, like I mean, murder. Okay, that's fairly clear. And like the, the you know the the kind of minor things are, are usually quite open to interpretation as well. So we we don't we we haven't completely come come away from that. But yeah, I mean, in, in Aristotle would have said, you, you know, the thing about Athens is we people here don't just make laws, they also interpret them. Mm. And that's a big, big factor. So yes, how can we, how could we apply something like this to modernity, right? Um, jurors in Athens were quite well informed, but yeah, things were a little bit simpler. You didn't have like 50,000 page treaties, mm. right? I mean, there's treaties that we apply that like no one's ever read them, <laughs> from begin, you know, from beginning to end, like the WTO covered I mean, We vote on them
2: or like, some occasionally we vote on them. Often it's just we've elected a government, they appoint you know mm. diplomats who then signed these really complex yeah, treaties. Yeah, and, and a lot of the time, but. the treaty
3: will be like amend- especially the European treaties. It's like it's all amendments to another treaty. So unless you mm. know that treaty and the treaty before it, you know, it it, it it's a nightmare. Um, so I would say a couple of things. One is this. In order to, to make a law, if you said to me, I want you to draft a law on,
2: you know... Say legalizing tables. cannabis, because I saw, yeah, I right, saw Luke like Ming Flanagan, he wrote okay. this thing about where coffee shops would be, and so on. So, you know what I mean? You could say, yeah, let's legalize weed, but it's like, okay, but like, how would it work, though? Is it only going to be in certain places, or so? But, but let's yeah. say it is legal. Yeah, no,
3: that's true. Like, I mean, the question is, how, how deep do you want to take it? And this is what I was kind of saying, like, I would probably limit myself in the beginning to kind of the big issues, right? I mean, okay. should we or shouldn't we legalize weed? I mean, okay it's kind of like a catch-all thing. It doesn't say much about the details, right? I mean, maybe mm-hmm. we would say only for people 18 or over or something like that, but whatever. Yes or no. It's a fairly simple decision in a way. Mm-hmm. Then you can have someone draft the details as you like. So
2: who would that someone be? Would they be in the civil service or how would that work?
3: Yeah. I. Th- uh, well, at the moment, uh, representatives I mean in my in the system kind of I'm proposing because I am proposing a transition I kind of feel like in a way I don't feel like we're on the cusp of full democracy I feel like I'm like in the time of Solon like (laughs) even even if I did everything I wanted to do we'd still have a lot of steps to go before we get a full democracy so um at the moment what I'm advocating doesn't get rid of the representative system. I mean, I couldn't get rid of the representative system. You couldn't get rid of the representative system without changing the constitution anyway. Mm-hmm. You see, you ca- I could do what I'm doing, which is to say, I'll let you have an, like a kind of an extra vote mm. on me and as that, that, that will familiarize you know, because, people with the because, concept. Because, I mean. because that's not illegal. But if I said, I will not be a representative or, or anything like that, you're, you're getting really into like the kind of constitutional legality of, of, of things. So I would say at the moment they would still be representatives. Representatives technically draft laws. Um, in reality... A lot of other actors might do that. I mean, it might be civil servants. It might be uh, b- even private businesses. But mm-hmm. technically speaking, like the representative who brings the legislation into the House is responsible for that legislation. So I would keep that up. And I mean, yeah, you're right. You can, you can go into more and more depth if you want to. You could say, okay, we've agreed. We agreed last week that we should legalize weed. Now we've got a few things about that. Age limits, you know, like yeah. should we have a, you know, you can, and you can do that fairly quickly. The, the question is how much effort do you want to put in? um the Athenians put a lot of effort into democracy and this is I think probably an important point too democracy is a lot of work what we have right now is we have kind of a lazy democracy which is kind of minimal participation minimal effort really uh the Athenians would have said no like you got to put a lot of work into this because that's people power I mean if the people have power then you have to do it you have to give some of your time to getting this done and if that means we have to sit here all day and or you know for three or four hours and debate weed then that's what we'll do that being said like People kind of think... I think people sometimes often worry that democracy will be like a talking shop in a way. Mm -hmm. When you think we're going to have to be there all day, the things would be like, okay, I want things done fast. (laughs) You know, they would kind of make it... They would make an Mm -hmm. effort to get things through quickly. And if someone was like boring them by making a long-winded speech, they would like basically shout them off the stage or even pull them off the yeah. stage if they had you like, we got to get this done here yeah. I, I don't have, i've got to get back to the farm you know? <laughs> so let's make a decision and and you kind of when you, when you know that you're you're you have that pressure you kind of can start moving a little bit faster yeah. hopefully
0: right but but they didn't have netflix right so that's true do you they you think <laughs> do you think people now actually want to do do you think people care i mean even when there is a vote what's the percentage of people that go out and do it yeah so to, to do this where it's not just going and putting a, a card in a box it's you know spending a full day talking and shouting about it or spending weeks researching what you what you actually want and how to put your arguments together um who are the people that are actually going to do that
3: yeah P- I, I probably think, very few i think there'll always be some people who just won't right like i mean yeah. and, and that I mean this is kind of as I said this is probably mm. the difference between me and a lot of people who, who research democracy and that I'm fairly harsh about this and don't really care if someone doesn't want to make the effort um, yeah because like in
2: Scotland they had the independence referendum and they had 86% turnout and the story was that's a really high turnout that's fantastic but I'm just like who are the 14% of people who don't care what country they're living in yeah. like that that does seem so <laughs> I mean you were sa- right I mean like so but I mean you were saying in Athens it would only be even under that system it would only be like 10 or 15% of people well it'd be like 10 or 15%, up, 15% so. of
3: people who would show up at every assembly they yeah. may have changed right so you might say i'm going this week but i won't go next week or whatever right, right? Mm-hmm. so i mean you could have it's hard to tell how many total people participated all the time maybe 50 percent, maybe 60 percent. it's kind of hard to to mm-hmm. really get a handle on, on that because of course we don't know everything ab- about athens um i would say i think at the point where you know that the decision that's being made is actually going to be implemented and really going to have an effect on your life right now uh that does a lot for your interest level yeah. um At the moment, it's like you vote for someone, but you don't really know what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Like, even if you were to say, "Oh, I want to vote for Finnegill because we'll have lower taxes or something," you don't really know if they're really going to lower your taxes. Yeah. You know, you, they probably won't, right? I mean, that's the Espe- that's,
2: especially if that's
3: that's you the thing. So the that's why that, is, I think yeah. that's kind of like leads to a lot of apathy. Whereas if you would say, "We're going to have a vote right now, and that is going to affect your tax bill as of next week," right. Okay, I suddenly got a lot more interested in this debate, right? So I I think I think that would have an effect. I mean, of course, it's hard to quantify what kind of effect would it have. Like we just don't know. Like we've never tried it. I would say I'm amazed at how much people try to participate in democracy, considering the lack of of um effect that they have like yeah. i very rarely go to protests why because why would i i don't know what's going to happen after the protest yeah i mean yeah. maybe i'd go if some of my friends were going i, I used but-
2: to go to them I, I rarely do nowadays and often there there would be a chant at the would usually be richard boyd Barrish or someone and he'd be saying this is what democracy looks like i would always think no it's not because you're you're protesting in a street you wouldn't have to do that if there was a democracy that was responsive to like what people want i mean if no one's
3: listening to you i mean if you do have responsiveness if you do have a leader who's responsive then you could say okay then it you know it had a purpose right like Mm -hmm. if they if they if someone would come out and go oh really you are very you're much more upset about this than i thought (laughs) maybe we should reconsider you know Mm -hmm. it might be it might be worth doing but uh, since they just ignore you What's the point? Like, and that's why, and I'm amazed that so many people still go out and protest considering yeah. that. Yeah. Our petition, considering that most petitions also just get ignored. Yeah.
2: Petitions are, are writing to your TD. They can, they just fob you off with a stock response because mm. they have to vote to the party whip. And they're yeah. just like, you know, it's, it's just feel, yeah. So, I mean, it, it just, the more you think about it, it does, it just, elections just do seem so bizarre. And the bizarre. opinions would
3: have been like, why? What's that? And if you're like, well, I need to go protest, To would be like, oh, what's that like? You know, I mean, you can't imagine. I mean, why would you go to the assembly to go protest? You can just, Get on the stage anytime you want. But if you're opening
1: up, uh, if you're opening up to kind of more of a public forum, as you're kind of saying, it, it, who's kind of moderating? You know, is that a lot of voices, a lot of people with a lot of different opinions? You know, someone has to kind of weed out the ridiculous. As well, and and trolls you know I mean? who like, like
2: <laughs> threaten to rape and kill people. Yeah. On that's more. On not, a that's more I worry like,
1: about, no, that's yeah. what kind. Of, that's kind of, That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. you, you know, if anyone can kind of make an opinion, you know then who's looking after that who's moderating that and you know who's stopping yeah. Donald Trump for stamp- stepping off no exactly <laughs> yeah who is you know. who's stopping some absolute total lunatic from getting on top of this soapbox and just yes, I
2: mean I, I assume with this software it it can't be anonymized it would have to sort of be linked to a person so they wouldn't have anonymity to yeah well how things.
3: I would I would I would plan to do it is basically probably have couple i mean if i get elected i'll have a couple of assistants so i would basically have people like sign up and you can use a handle whereby you would not be known to the public so you don't have to use your real name right because obviously you also don't want i think there could be situations where that could be a difficulty right i mean what if you would vote against something that your company would not be in favor your boss would not be in favor right you don't want to be tracked down Mm. but i would want it there to be a table where we could track you down If if it were necessary. If you were trolling. Yes, if you threatened someone or something like that, you know, and then kick you off the site, right? I mean, the the Athenians did this too. They had something called etymia, which meant that they barred people from participating in politics if they really did something awful. But even
1: as a small test group, if you look at, like, say... A Facebook newsfeed. Yeah. Honestly, like, the, so some of the people who will argue, say, political points, a lot of it's just mad. It's, you know what, <laughs> what I mean? It's just, and it's nobody agrees is, with anything. Yeah, exa- that's exactly. Are you, are
2: you sure the problem isn't just that people are stupid and they make <laughs> bad decisions on who they go for? Like,
0: but are, also, are people actually just comfortable in their lives now? I mean, most people have, you know, they'll go out and complain that they don't want to pay an extra bit for water every month. But really, they go home and they put on their big screen TV, sit on their couch and, you know, have a beer or whatever. Uh, are people you know are they upset enough to get that involved in politics like the way i see it is the people who maybe sh- are the people who might get up and stand on a soapbox are the people like you who eventually are you know running for election anyway yeah. <laughs> are, are, are a lot of people <laughs> not just, anyway, are a lot of people jaded like kind of just yeah jaded like yeah,
1: yeah are, are they, cynical
0: or too comfortable you know well not even cynical just
1: jaded as in like <laughs> it's just well it's all it's all you know i mean I can i'm can, not I, gonna have any effect anyway no, but I can think you of know.
2: people I know, or lots of people I know who, on on the most part, they would be like that. They would feel quite apathetic. But then there would be one issue they care a lot about. Yeah, like and s- for and some, and some reason, it's water charges. All of a sudden, on that, or, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. So the question is, would people? Would people bother to participate? And yeah, this is, I think, what I'm running into, I think. Even if I got elected, even if I get elected, I will have to, you know, my work will just be beginning in a way because then I have to go around and convince everyone to get started on this and and, and have an effect, right? Um, Yeah, I guess it depends how how, how you define comfort. I mean, I think a lot of people haven't realized, in a way, how precarious um, the current political system is. Mm. I mean elections are electoral system is actually quite ca- precarious, especially when you combine it with the international system. Um you have to consider that now most decisions are made most major decisions are made on an international level. Um there's very little that's even being decided nationally anymore. Um and some of those things like for example, uh have you guys heard of T TIP? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this treaty will probably go through and it will have an enormous impact mm-hmm. on a pretty much everybody's job <laughs> at some point um and we're not really getting any say on it i mean in a way the the deregulation that has happened and i mean this was this was kind of what, what got me thinking about everything the deregulation that has happened in the western world means basically that uh the protective trade barriers between this little pocket of civilization that we live in which has a very high standard of living mm-hmm. and the rest of the world which has a much lower standard mm-hmm. of living have gradually been eroded so you're probably going to see over the long term an equalization and living standards between uh, countries in the West and the rest of the world. Um, the question is, like, do you want that? <laughs> I mean, because this is what's happening. Like, trade liberalization has proceeded at a really, really, really fast mm. and pace. it's And it's
2: decided by very, very few people. Right? Yeah, like practically yeah. nobody. Mm. I mean I was thinking a recent example was just the Paris Climate Summit and just for me that just for me it proved you and everything you say in the book right because for me it was they're deciding the the fate of billions of people literally like and it's a few hundred people who the public don't know and didn't have a say in appointing they're the ones who are working out the sort of policy on it whereas if you'd had more input of people and and it couldn't be billions but like you know if you had broader input that actually was uh, actionable. You know, like the, the the treaty would look very different, but I was just right. so being so detached from it as much as I care about climate change. I was able to relax and not be disappointed by it because I kind because now I knew going into it like that international negotiations are deliberately closed off from democracy. Oh, yeah.
3: I mean, you know, like there have always been secret. Right. Mm. And the the idea is that you have a representative like a negotiator or someone who is answerable to the government and mm-hmm. the government is answerable to the people. But in this case, really, our governments aren't really answerable to us because elections are very, very skewed. You don't always get the people you vote for. It's often, you know, who spends the most wins, and they don't really care. You know, what the climate change summit is not going to affect even our election, which is going to happen pretty quickly, you know. Mm. So uh, much less an election that would happen in two or three years. You know, everyone will have forgotten about it. So that's kind of the, the issue. I mean, the the, rep- the negotiators are doing what the government wands i mean they'll be recalled if they're not but if you look through at international agreements you'll notice that international agreements on like trade are binding you know they have binding mechanisms like in the wto you can take a case there's a lot there's a whole special court mechanism set up for the wto but if you look at you know human rights climate change things like that you'll always get non-binding treaties right non-binding targets why because it's great because you can look like you did something Mm. it's not enforceable right Mm. like there's a really key issue here is what's enforceable in a court of law and we'll see that economic rights and meaning if you have a lot of money, those kind of economic rights, like the kind of economic rights that are pertinent to businesses are enforceable and really nothing else is. So um, the system has become more and more lopsided in favor of protecting large amounts of money, really. Uh, and there's nothing to balance that on an international mm-hmm. level. So I don't think people are aware of this building in the, of this kind of um, uh, new world that's building on the international level because these effects will take five or 10 or 20 years to be fully felt nonetheless if you know where to look like it's like a railroad track like the track's been laid you're just gonna drive down it now but you know which direction we're going in and where we're going to end up I mean you can't knock out all of the uh protection the economic protectionist measures that have existed for decades in the Western world, and say we're going to maintain the same standard of living. You can't. You can't reduce taxes immensely on uh, the very wealthy. You can't reduce ta- capital gains tax. You can't raise rents to the point where people cannot afford to buy, you know, to rent and buy a house and say that's not going to affect the balance of power mm-hmm. in the society. That's impossible.
2: And you're sure it's not just that people are stupid and they make bad decisions <laughs> when they vote? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure there would be ardent defenders of elections and their process. And just what about that argument that it's just, no, if we were better at picking politicians, things would be better.
3: Well, people don't always pick. You don't always get the politicians you pick. I mean, some, voting systems are so skewed that, I mean, first past the post is the worst, but they're all pretty bad. I mean, sometimes you will end up even with a different government than the most people voted for. Yeah, I mean, that's like in possible. the last UK election, <laughs> yeah. there
2: was, um, I think la- there was a bigger swing towards Labour than the Conservatives. There was, but the Conservatives, and they lost seats. The, yeah, yeah the, the Labour lost seats and the Conservatives went from a coalition government yeah. to a majority government yeah. and are now sweeping yeah. through all sorts of stuff yeah. with like less than, a th- a, like about, a th- a, 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 for the electorate taken as a whole, it was like one in four, but that's oh, including yeah. the people who didn't vote. So yeah. you could say, well, they should have shown up. But I think the, the point is that first past the post in the UK, the US and Canada, it's just bafflingly anti-democratic i don't know how any country like yeah. why are countries still persisting with it like is it
3: because it because exactly because they said oh well it's simple you know because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's easy to understand yeah no, it's it's like, like, it co- yes. produces
2: completely random results yeah it is mm-hmm. it gives you
3: completely random results right you can literally end up being governed i mean the uk thing is bad enough but the conservatives won the relative majority of the vote in that election it yeah. can happen that the party that gets the second most votes actually ends up being the government under first-past-the-post. But that can also happen under STV, and it has happened under, like, in, in... I don't know in Ireland, but in Tasmania, for example, it happened, like, four out of six times. I think in huh. Ireland we uh, control better for this in the in the counting. However, um, at the, at, it's still possible to get a big bump in favour. Like, um Gael, for example, has picked up a bit in the in the poll results now, but for a while there, they and Fianna Fáil would have won more seats with fewer votes... A with a lower percentage of the votes than Schiffen and the Independents. Mm. So STV isn't perfect either because of wasted votes because you can have a wasted vote in STV. It yeah, all comes no, down was... to wasted votes, mm. really. And yeah, proportional systems can be the same too. Like, sometimes they get more proportional. If you look at the recent Spanish elections, more proportional than they have been because it used to just have two big parties. And the results would be quite skewed there as well.
2: Yeah, but we've had two big parties using STV this whole time and it's still these two conservative parties with almost identical policies they're the same party yeah. I, mean, yeah. I mean, and you know i'm also finding that it, it really is the balance of uh, another thing just elections will do in terms of skewing it, it might skew the influence of people who live in a certain area over national policy and i, I just i just saw something last week where a finnegal td was quoted anonymously saying i personally would repeal the eighth amendment but there are too many voters in my constituency yeah that would not vote for me yeah, anymore. So yeah. I'm not going to support repeal the aid. So it, yeah, so it's like in these pockets of the country, or I think I think with climate change, I think peat farming was another thing that they didn't want to be too yeah, ambitious yeah. on you climate change. You can be held up by them. a it's really like, small minority yeah. of voters. Like yeah. even yeah.
3: like one or 2%, especially if you have that comp- competition where you go, there's very little that differentiates us from another main party. Those one or 2% of my voters are like the difference between winning the elections here. So I'm not going to say anything against them. Even if it's like 1% of my supporters are against abortion, I won't support it because yeah, I might, cause it, lose, cause I might could, lose the election if yeah.
2: I do that. No, no, Not just you personally, but that decides whether it's Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil who get the more seats. Yeah. It's just in a certain bits of the country. It's uh, so, yeah. so they basically will then, even if a majority of the country does want to repeal the 8th, mm. it's those voters who are kind of keeping yeah. the politicians who have the power to act on it. Whereas if this is something we want, you know, surely we should have the power to... Yeah.
0: Like, yeah. So it ends up that the whole country is like you know the, the, the right. democracy. The country is resting on a GAA club in Longford or something. Yeah.
3: yeah. No. No. It's true. Like yeah. It can. It can. It can. It can be that way. That's true. That's yeah. that's how how skewed and crazy it is. You know. Yes. So what what people really want and what people uh, aim to express. I mean, even when you vote for someone, we're not capturing what people's opinion is on this. Right, yeah. You know, we're capturing that you voted for, let's say, Labour, and we assume, therefore, that you back everything Labour does. Yeah. Okay, but we know how wrong, you know, if you look at, at the, government now, and government and the government now and the wrong election, answer. I can tell you when I go door to door, I mean, I hear, I haven't heard a positive thing about the Labour Party yet. And and people feel very, very, very betrayed yeah. by by them, right? So it would be wrong to assume that people actually agree with the policies Labour is instituting they didn't. They thought they were voting for something else, or they hoped they were voting for something else. You know, so mm. it's not just a matter of like, what? What do people really want? We don't know. We know you cast a vote for that party. That's all we know. We don't actually know anything about what you really yeah. want.
2: I mean, what else are you hearing on the doorsteps as you're as you're going around canvassing?
3: Yeah. Sorry.
2: Uh, what else are you hearing?
3: Um, just, well, going people door, charge, just People don't like the water charges. That's for sure. <laughs> no, no, <they> <laughs> I think according, according to the people who tell me they like, I, according to the people who tell me they don't pay, I mean, surely. The the non payers must be higher than the government's giving out from the, if, if everyone's telling me the truth when they say they don't pay yeah um, so I've heard a lot of I haven't paid uh, on the doorsteps and that's very 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 unpopular um, I think people are yes uh, dis- disillusioned with the major parties I mean I have had people going I don't know who I'm going to vote for mm. because I've uh, you know I in a fall I'm still annoyed with and finagel and labor i'm currently annoyed with <laughs> i've never voted Sinn fein or you know i'm either against Sinn fein because of the issues in and yeah like a lot of people are saying I'm, I'm not sure what my what my options are that's the main the main thing yeah. i i hear mm. is
1: anyone lot. ever but really
2: happy though <laughs>
1: honestly well i mean there's <laughs> yeah, like over 20 political
2: party registered political parties in the country and we have a more proportional voting system so you I mean you think there would be enough choice of the fact that so many people say i there's no one for me to vote for i mean that's that is a bit bit of a bad indictment of electoral democracy i think i
3: think uh yes the airwaves are very much dominated with kind of like the the top parties kind Mm -hmm. of i mean yeah i mean i mean we see like the sock Dems and people before profit are pulling you know up a little bit now in the numbers Mm -hmm. and we have the green party as well um i think in a way you see the larger parties have a lot of resources to get out there and be visible in the community a smaller party um you know, you go around knocking on doors, <laughs> one a couple of doors. You know, one or two people at a time, or whoever it is. So mm-hmm. it's very hard to attain the same level of visibility, and for people to to go, oh yeah, you're really running. You know, it's mm-hmm. very very hard to stick in people's. This is what one thing I've learned with media. It's very very hard to stick in people's minds. I mean, even if you do a big interview, people might remember you for ten minutes or so. But there's kind of like this onslaught of information, where unless you are competing with that onslaught, unless you can appear as often as you know someone like vincent brown or someone in the media yeah. you won't be recognized right. at that point you'll be like a blip and then people go oh yeah i remember you you know and yeah, later yeah. When, they, when they see you but they won't be thinking of you every day you know well, so that's really a, a really big issue is kind of i think the political money just the political spending in a way has enormous negative consequences for all uh smaller parties really mm. and it's very very hard to get over that and that's why we have this lag and change in a way mm. you know why? Why the older conservative parties kind of hold on past their sell by date?
0: Do you know who is memorable? Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get out there and say some
2: shit. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. But that's just it in a way too, right? If you if you say something crazy enough, yeah, you'll People be more talk. remembered. Yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. And anyway, that's why he does it. Yeah, yeah I think there's you like see?
2: more American. Uh, the polling data, it's like more Americans support Bernie Sanders than Donald Trump. But Bernie Sanders is this very like soft-spoken kind of guy and like however oh, good his policies yeah. are he's just not as quote-unquote interesting to media listen to Median, than yeah. that, that yeah. bizarre clown trump yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: well uh i think we'll have to start uh trying to round things up here but um earlier you said uh uh about how how the world is moving so much quicker now mm-hmm. yet we still elect every four or five years um and you also said that it's kind of based on um our democracy is more based on the kind of ancient roman way mm-hmm. um so what do you think about actually kind of being more like that uh say they they had two consuls that they elected every Mm -hmm. year yeah and then they were in power alternating months right Yeah. what about something like that there's there was no parties there's powerful people yeah and they they can get in for a year at a time
3: yeah and in a a weird way like the Republican system as bad as it was it was actually kind of better than ours in some in some ways you know that's like that's scary um but okay in the in in Rome like the real power was really the senate which yeah. uh, could give advice to the councils. Yes. If the councils didn't follow that advice, you were like playing with your life. <laughs> so, <laughs> And so- again, with those
2: senators to campaign, they would either need... Uh- like, name recognition, like, oh, my daddy's uh, Maximus mm-hmm. Trudeau, or yeah, yeah, yeah. like, or, or you have money. Yeah. It's, it's the same yeah. as now. You it need was, the money to get the profile, to get the coverage.
3: It was know, similar, so. but they changed more often. And, and it's funny that you should mention that, because that's actually what the anti-federalists in the U.S. wanted in the time yeah. when they were debating the American Constitution. The anti-federalists said we should have people in power for shorter terms. Right. Um, uh, and I, I'm wondering, would that help if we had people in power for, I said, one year or probably a little bit probably make it probably make things a little bit more tumultuous mm-hmm. but i would worry you know even more perhaps uh people would think about nothing but what is in their short-term interest i mean that's in a way a problem with elections it's kind of weird in a way but even though even though you think even though the time is very very long and no one can affect it you're always thinking what do i need to do to get elected right. Like kind of in a way like yeah, right. But then- and 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 that not might not necessarily be Uh, what is in the long-term interests of the country. And it's kind of funny. There's a difference between, and I think this is is kind of a subtle thing, but it's very, very important. There's a difference between people power and just populism. Yeah. Like, in Athens, one of the strengths of it, 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 one of the strengths of not having as many political parties is you can think more long-term. You're not like constantly careening from left to right. You can think, okay, let's do this, and let's make a minor adjustment here and a minor adjustment there, and it's not like flip flopping back and forth. You can think, in 20 years, how will this work out? Right. Uh, political parties never think what would happen in 20 years. What happened in 20 years is someone else's problem. Right. Mm-hmm. So because, you know, mm-hmm. you're not going to have to be around to deal with it. And I kind of worry that I suppose if you made the time shorter, you just have that bit more exaggerated.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: I mean, I don't blame people for, for falling for populism in a certain sense because you, you, you take what you can get. Yeah. If I can get a tax break today. Well, I guess I'm just take that because that's all I'm going to get. You but, see it, it yeah. encourages Irresponsible behavior
0: If it was done without, without parties And it was done On like a national level So everybody's running For these two spots Every year right? Two spots Okay <laughs> But it's not at a local level So you're not You're not getting elected By promising to You know Put in a gate Or fix a pothole Hmm. you're you're getting yeah, elected yeah. on
2: on national things. i do
3: hear that going door to door too sometimes yeah yeah can you fix yes, that yes. yes no yes it's, it's funny did, actually didn't you
2: put up a blog post did, did, sort of like basically explaining
3: yeah. yeah
2: no just basically look i i under i'm, I'm not dismissing your concern because yeah. you live in this area and it's important that it is fixed but maybe just talk to your local counselor instead yeah yeah. And yeah. Like, like i, I basically <laughs>
3: forward those things to the local councilors yeah, okay. when i get them. that's my policy yeah, 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 yeah.
2: <laughs> that's a good policy though it's like you know yes the, the, the local government i mean local government's a lot stronger Stronger in other countries you know you'd have yeah. Germany or Switzerland that yeah. would be the councillors would have a lot more to do yeah. and yeah. the politi- national politicians focus on national yeah. politics yeah yeah, yeah. 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 But, but
3: sorry to get back to it you had, it's like two people elected nationally every yeah. year yeah what do you think and be that'd be more like a presidential system though in a way in the US it right? would and like what yeah. would be their, their areas of responsibility
0: uh, I haven't thought this through like yeah <laughs> 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 I, don't, I don't know I don't think so I'd say, I'd say
3: if you have elections and if you give the person elected a lot of power yeah you put them in a position to consolidate their wealth and their power. I can use this power to get more wealth, which I can use to get more power, which I can use to get more wealth. Like sometimes people who are elected to top spots now, they often go on to sit on boards of private companies Mm. or in the EU commission. Like for a lot of people having an important national political role is just like the stepping stone to like the beginning of a a lucrative career. And I mean, this is really like the vicious cycle that you have to think of how to stop but i mean your proposal i mean it's it's similar to what the anti-federalists would have said and in the u.s before uh the american revolution a lot of uh, states were kind of governed themselves in a similar fashion yeah you know well
0: i suppose what they were doing was putting in two so that one person couldn't have all of it and then every every second month the other person the power flipped
3: yeah. Um, yeah, I mean they had vetoes. Like you could yeah. veto, like a lot of, m- many different offices, like, you Yeah and then we, yeah, we could other. have we could have
0: tribunes as well and they can veto whatever they want. <laughs> yeah. And then after your year of being a, a consul, your your term, you get sent away to a province for a, a year and you have okay, to but you're not allowed it, part of the you, yeah, know. you know what
3: they did in the provinces, right? Like <laughs> yeah, they spent yeah. <laughs> so much money trying to get elected council. Yeah. They went out to the province and said I gotta make this yeah. money back now
0: there's probably a reason why it's not there's a lot of bribery like, and stuff. I mean I suppose
3: that. I mean if you could really if you could get rid of the money angle I think there'd be issue but they spent... Yeah. They also spent a huge amount of money and had to yeah. pull pulled all their connections to I get. was
0: nearly entirely bri- bribing, yeah. Yeah, to <laughs> yeah. get into power, you know. As, like, so. Julius Caesar said, I'll, I'll either come home, like, Pontiffus Maximus, I think, or I won't come home at all. Yeah. It's like, yeah, either I'm elected or the people that loan me money are going to yeah. kill me. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. have
3: to admire them in a certain sense. At least they... Yeah. You know, I mean, I have to say, at least... For them, it was kind of a matter of life
0: and death. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah.
3: it was. You kind of feel a little bit more like, well, at least they put their money where their mouth was. Yeah, you know?
0: <laughs> absolutely. Well, uh, I think that was a good. I think that's a good place to uh, to to end it there. So, thanks a million for coming in. For yeah, thanks for, much to for you. Me. And, yeah. and Jonathan as well. Thanks very much. Oh,
2: thanks very much. Yes.
0: So that was the Head Stuff podcast with Rosalind Fuller and Jonathan Victory. Uh, Also, you heard Connor Wilkins being confused in there for some of (laughs) us. I'm still here with Connor now. That's true. I'm I'm confused right now as well. (laughs) It's a different day. Uh, So thanks for listening to that. Um, If you're interested in knowing more, uh, the name of Rosalind's book is Beasts and Gods, How Democracy Changed Its Meaning and Lost Its Purpose. And uh, she's running in the Dublin-Fingal area. You should subscribe to the Headstuff podcast. Uh, You can go to headstuff.org and find podcasts and subscribe there. Um, And you should also uh, rate it and and comment if you like it. Uh, And, you know, share it. Share it on your Facebook timeline. No, I'm not going to. Well, you should. Oh, I will Don't yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we also have that,
1: if only to hear that bit in it where I'm choking uh, in the background on my water oh okay <laughs>
0: <laughs> we should probably make an episode just of you choking on water for like you know, there's probably a lot of 40 minutes things could stick in there yeah <laughs> um, well, there's also a group you can join on Facebook called the Head Stuff Podcast and you'll probably get some news and updates and you might be asked a oh, question in there so it's a fun place to be And you can follow us on Twitter and on SoundCloud and anywhere else. Um, So thanks for listening and we'll be back with another episode next week.